if you can add that in, in, emphasis to that, it will, it will elevate that even more. So let's go pre-chorus again, first pre-chorus. And, uh, and then when we go into the chorus vocals, everybody other than Morgan back just a hair off the first chorus. And then once we're full tilt, it'll be in that. Sounds awesome. No? Pre-chorus. Unison, ladies. How you were my portion when there wasn't enough. And I'll testify of the seas that we've crossed. The waters you parted, the waves that Sing hallelujah to the rock of 
all need to play the same thing going into that. That pause is so hard to get the timing back. I would just rather not chance it. Because they do that pause the first couple times. I'm just confused because we're doing, we're not doing the pause the first time, but then we are doing the pause the second time. it there and it's all because in the live version they don't do the pause they just yeah do it and I like that better but we can do whatever sounds better I'm, I'm just gonna listen to it real quick no they still pause there it's not on the first That's the live version, right? I guess. Yeah. Sing hallelujah. I guess. Yeah. That's Good. fine. I it just, I had never heard of it or heard that version before, and so I was really confused. It, it was uh, like, it felt like we were doing like a half measure. Yeah. But it works. It is. I mean, it is a half measure. They're going. It says one, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. One. It just yeah. I don't. I just don't have that. Well, I'm saying it's like hard to know because she's just. transferred the measure to where there's no words. They added it there. They transferred it over. So on the live version, can you can you play that going into the chorus mm -hmm. from the bridge? They actually go They pull back and it's drums and it sounds really cool, but I don't know if we can do it. But we can. They go back into the the pre-chorus. On the live, is this? Let me see. Yeah, right before that. 
What do you think about that? Can you do that?
you think we need to end big like we just did? the lyric different though when you say I'll testify of the battles you've won or is that yeah it does oh maybe I should end on that then I'll just I think How it would be cool my portion when there wasn't enough and I'll testify See that we've crossed the waters you've parted, the waves that I've fought. Can we? Come here, I missed you. Can we try hitting block chords when it's the drum thing? Yeah, just like hit it. The only reason I'm saying that is because Maverick City has hundreds of people that shout. Right. And so they fill it with that, but yeah. you don't. <laughs> what are you meaning? Hit like just that? not anything extra, just straight on the chord. Six times to the bridge? Okay, uh, band, let's do bridge 1A twice, bridge 1B twice, and then bridge 1C twice, which is on the next page, which I didn't see the first time. <laughs> so let's go, does that change vocals? No. No, it's just, it's a, instead of just a G, it's a G over B, so it just gives it more power. Pause, just add a, a bass hit. Yeah. Okay. 
Just do better, okay? <laughs> Just be better. All right, so let's go one last time through bridge. you need to do that chorus but if you feel like you need to go back into the bridge again cue everybody everybody just follow follow morgan in it because if it that just has has the possibility of getting getting good so so awesome but if we go good? back into it we'll end so up i know this is just particulars but when i come out of it when i come out of the um, bridge by that part of the song i'm like my phrasing is like Instead yep. of like, no, okay, yeah, I just don't want it to sound like no, 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 no. Um, stupid for me to be saying no. two different O's. Uh-uh. Travis starts this normally. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to the Travis Dixon Show. I know. It's hard. I've been living with it for seven years, and it's just the way it is. Who opened up the ocean? 
says in the spirit of heaviness, put on the garment of praise. That's how we fight our battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles.
Good morning, Harrison Faith. How's everybody doing this morning? You guys ready to worship Jesus today? Come on, let's worship him together. Sometimes you gotta dance through the darkness, sing through the fire, praise when it don't make sense. Sometimes you gotta stare down the giant, worship from the lion's den. Sometimes you gotta shout it from the mountain, louder in the valley, trusting that he's gonna get you there. Sometimes you gotta welcome the wander, wait for the answer, worship with your hands in the air. I'll praise you anyway. Praise, you can praise, you can praise in the highest praise. today.
for me and my house. We're going to serve you for me and my house. You'll get the praise for me and my house. We're going to love you always. For me and my house, we're going to worship for me and my house. You'll get your way for me and my house. We're going to love you always. We have set our homes apart for you. about the scripture where Joshua says this as for me and my house we will serve the Lord and what's powerful about it is to me it's a declaration or a statement of Joshua saying we understand I understand and my family understands the power of getting in victory formation is what Joshua was saying I understand the power of living a life in victory formation and so for as for me and for my house I don't know about you I don't know about everyone else but as for me and my house 
I know the formula for victory formation, and that is, it, it, it is to worship the Lord. Amen? I heard this story a few weeks ago. Is there anybody, any college football fans in the house? A few weeks ago, the Miami Hurricanes were playing the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. And Miami was up 20 to 17 in the fourth quarter with 26 seconds left, and Miami had the ball. And normally what you see when there's that little time left on the clock is they do what they call victory formation. The quarterback takes the ball and he kneels and the game is over. But for some reason or another, Miami thought, well, we got to do some more things. We got to run some more plays to make sure we win this game. And so they handed it off to the running back and he fumbled the ball. And Georgia Tech recovered. And two plays later, Georgia Tech won the football game. All because Miami didn't understand the power of getting in victory formation. And perhaps there's somebody here today that you've been trying to live life under your own strength. You've been trying to do things in your own strength. And the Lord is moving in this church and he's wanting to move in your life. But the enemy is distracting you from living in a posture of victory formation. And you've been trying to do things and make decisions because you think or the enemy has tried to convince you that you've got to do things on your own. But the Lord is saying, if you'll just understand this morning, the power of victory formation and know that when you kneel before me, when you submit your heart before me, when you surrender your desires to me, that my victory will work through you and it will work in you. Can I tell somebody today that over 2,000 years ago, Jesus went to the cross of Calvary and he hung in your place so that you can stand in yours. And three days later, he rose again. And what I'm telling you today, is because Jesus went to the cross you can live a life in victory formation so maybe you're in this house this morning and you came through those doors today and you're struggling and you're beat up and you don't know what to do next because all of your strength is gone because you've been trying to live out of your own strength the Lord wants you to know today, over the next few moments as we continue to worship, if you'll just posture yourself in a way that you lift your hands as high as you can get them and say, God, I'm sorry I've been trying to do it in my own strength. I'm sorry I've been trying to do it my own way. I'm sorry I've been trying to do my own agenda. If you'll just surrender to him right now this morning, I believe that the Lord is going to bring victory in your life today. And you're going to see him do things that you haven't seen him do in a long time. All because you understood the power of surrendering in victory formation. Come on, can we do that this morning? Let's declare this together. I speak to the enemy. You can't have my family because we belong to the Lord. With heaven's authority, we take back our destiny because we belong to the Lord. Come on, sing it again. I speak to the end. You can't have my family. Cause we belong to the Lord. With heaven's authority, we take back our destiny. Cause we sing it again. Sing it again. Yes, we belong to 
morning you say I'm I'm tired I'm weary I'm exhausted I don't know how much longer I can go at this pace but let me encourage you you've got a little bit and at the end of the day you may have nothing left you may have no energy you may have no words you may have no thoughts left but at the end we can still give him the highest praise I think about that woman that came in with just a little bit of perfume. She said, God, I don't have much. God, I don't have much, I'm, I'm poor. I've got nothing left, but I've got this and I'm gonna give you all I've got. And this morning you may have come in 
tired and weary. I just feel like there's some people that are heavy. You've got a burden on you this morning. Can I encourage you to lay down what you do have? Can you give him the highest praise that you've got? All that is left is highest praises. Sing hallelujah to the rock of ages. And all that is left is highest praises. So sing
just worship him for a moment church in your own way with your hands lifted high and your hearts and your voices lifted to heaven come on can we just worship him in this moment something in my life that seems like to me from a humanly speaking position is an impossible hurdle to cross. I need physical healing in my body. I need a miracle. Here in just a moment as we continue to worship, we want to invite you to come if that's you. Or maybe you don't need healing in your body. Maybe it's something else. Or you just need someone to join in prayer with you this morning and agree and partner with you in prayer about a situation in your life. As we continue to worship him and sing of his faithfulness today, if that's you, would you just begin to come and we're just simply going to join hands with you. We're going to pray and believe for God to work a miracle in your life. Amen. Peace. 
baptism your freeing hearts right because you are the same God you are the same God you touch the lepers there. I feel your touch right you are the same God you are the same God Let's just call on him today. I'm calling on the Holy Spirit. Almighty river, come and fill me again. Come and fill is that your prayer this morning church that he would come and fill you again Lord we're so grateful for your presence this morning we make that the prayer of our hearts Lord that even now in this season you would come and fill us again fill us with your goodness fill us with your grace remind us even today Lord of your faithfulness then and your faithfulness now. Thank you, Lord, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank you, Lord, that there's someone here today that's wondering if you're going to fail them, but you're not because you haven't failed yet and you won't fail today. And whatever it is you're waiting for, whatever it is you're hoping, expecting for, the Lord says, I will do it. I will do it. Because faithfulness is who I am. So God, we thank you for your presence in this place today. We thank you for every person, every individual that made the decision to be in this service on this day. Because we don't believe in coincidences. We don't believe that we're here just by chance or accident. But God, we believe we're here on purpose because you have a plan and a purpose for every person's life in this place. So Holy Spirit, continue to just come and invade this room. And here in just a few moments as our pastor comes to open up the word of God, I pray that every ear be unlocked, every heart be softened, every spirit be receptive. And may your word go forth. And let it be so according to the scripture that says your word will not return void but let the seed of your word be planted and let it begin to sprout up and let it begin to take us deeper and further than where we've ever been before in Jesus name and everyone said amen you may be seated this morning thank you again for joining us this morning and worshiping with us we're so glad that you're here today uh, if you've been visiting Harrison Faith for for a little bit or maybe 
perhaps today is your first time. Uh, we just desire to connect with you. So if we haven't had the opportunity to connect with you or your family members, uh, that is the desire of our heart. So uh, the greatest way that we can do that is there is a connection card in the seat back in front of you. So if everybody in the room today uh, will be so gracious to do this, if you'll just reach in front of you and grab the connect card there in the pew back in front of you. And uh, on the first side there, it says connect with us. If you call Harrison Faith home, uh, this is where you attend and this is your home. I just ask that you put your first and last name on this card. And that's how we know that you were here today and we can keep a pulse on that. But if you don't call Harrison Faith your home, you've been visiting or today's your first time, uh, we just ask that you take a moment and fill that card out in its entirety. And here in just a few moments, um, uh, the ushers are going to come. And if you'll drop them in that bucket, we can collect them that way. We're just going to take a moment just for a second here and we're going to fill this card out. So if you will do that with me, uh, we would appreciate that. As you're filling that card out on the other side of that, uh, there is also an opportunity that we don't want you to miss. There's an opportunity uh, to partner with you in prayer. And so there is a place where you can submit a prayer request, and there is also a spot where you can submit a praise report. And so every Tuesday, our staff comes into this sanctuary. Uh, I know we say this every week, but that's because it is highly important. Uh, your needs and my needs are important to God. And so if they're important to God, then they're important to us as a pastoral staff. And so if you're here today and you have a need, please submit that uh, under the prayer request uh, part there of the card. And uh, we come together uh, every Tuesday and we pray and we bring the needs of this church to the Lord. And we have seen uh, the Lord work and the Lord answer those prayers. And so if you have a need, please do take a moment to submit it. And then if you have a praise report or a testimony of maybe something we've been praying with you about as a church and as a staff and the Lord has answered that or a miracle that he's worked in your life, we also want to celebrate that testimony with you. So uh, if you'll submit your praise report or your prayer request, we'd be so appreciative of that. As the ushers come this morning, we are going to receive the morning's tithes and offering, and that gives us an opportunity to continue our worship by giving back to God. Amen? How many is excited about giving this morning? A few people are excited about giving. You know, we get really excited about receiving. Does anybody get excited about receiving gifts at Christmas time? But sometimes we don't always get so excited about giving. But I believe as God's people and as believers and as followers of Jesus, we should be just as excited to give as we are to receive because the reality is he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And what we have was his before it came to us. Amen. And he's a God who blesses. And I believe if you're here today, he wants to bless you. Uh, but we are also called to bless others. Amen. And so my prayer this morning is that the Holy Spirit would challenge us 
not just to give what we normally give, but to give above and beyond. Amen. Because he's a God that is more than what we can ask or think or imagine. He's able to do it. Amen. So let's ask him to challenge us this morning. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. We thank you, Lord, that your word says you are the giver of all good gifts. And so, Lord, we're coming before you today thankful and grateful of all the blessings and the faithfulness of God in our life. And so I pray today that you would challenge each one of us as believers today to just be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Lord, whatever you ask us to give today, Lord, let us walk in obedience to that. And Lord, we just thank you for your faithfulness. Bless the tithes and the offering to your kingdom and to your church. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Just a couple of important announcements, and then we're going to move forward in the service. Don't forget that we have board nominations going on now. Uh, the box is out there in the lobby. So please remember to nominate uh, as we're getting ready this next year to positions coming off the board. And we want to know that we are nominating some great people to fill those spots. So please take a moment at some point uh, to do that. And then also we have Angel Tree is also in the lobby. Some of you probably saw that this morning. And so here's the thing. Over the next two weeks, the angel tree will be out there. And we ask that you would either grab one of those or if you are someone who maybe you're not able to go shop, you can still make donations uh, to help with that as well. And so we need those to be turned in by December 3rd. Everybody say December 3rd. So board nominations, angel tree, both in the lobby. Get those when you have a chance. Amen. If I could have the parents and the family of Quincy Kate Youngblood, ain't she precious, ain't she precious, to join me here on the stage. Come on up here, girl. Oh, sweetheart. I love smiling babies. Not all babies smile. I don't know if you know that. Or not, not all babies smile. Mom, was I a smiling baby? I was a smiling baby. That's a good answer. You know, I, I love names. And uh, when I saw Quincy, I thought, you know what? I got to just research this. And so I don't know. I'm sure you probably, did you name her after somebody in the family? Or no, you just Quincy. That's how it was. Okay. All right. That's what we did too. Um, and so when I looked up Quincy, I thought it was, I thought her name was unique. And um, what it means is a state of the fifth. Now, that's a different definition. I've not heard that of about a name too much. A state of the fifth. But what it really means is the inheritance of the fifth. Now, in biblical numerology, which is knee, it's the study of numbers in Scripture. The number five is probably the most dominant number we see in Scripture, and it always means grace grace did you know and God's grace is really God's goodness towards us so when I thought about this I thought Quincy I don't know if y'all meant this or not but Quincy actually means the inheritance of God's goodness towards us and I thought girl you are special you are special and you know we need grace parents amen we need grace we need grace to raise a baby, to raise a woman of grace. Oh, you want to come to me? Oh, maybe not. She said, I ain't got that much grace, Pastor Scott. 
<laughs> it's the beer. Oh, that's the way it is, the beer. And so um, uh, I just wanted to challenge you guys today. Because in raising a household of faith, you have an essential piece that, um, that reproduces the image of God. The Lord said in, in Psalms 127, I, I just, I, this, we've said this so much because of the baby dedications, but it is so true when I read through it every time just to see if it'll hit me different. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, they who, they who, they who labor in vain um, uh, build it, labor in vain. And so what I really see is simply this, is that as the Lord is trying to build your house, he gave you an essential piece. He gave you a grace piece to build a household of faith. And so we want to dedicate her to the Lord this morning because God knows we need grace in mom and dad's life, but we also want to see grace lived out in her life. So congregation, would you stand with me this morning? We want to pray that God would bless her and bless you guys. And we love you already. You're one of us. You're a sweetheart. You know that? Let's pray. Father in heaven, I ask you, Lord, right now, God, that you touch Quincy. Lord, she is your child. She's your daughter. And Father, we thank you, Lord, for the grace that you gave us, Lord, when you sent this gift, this inheritance, Lord, this heritage that we have. And I pray, God, for Will and Rachel, Lord. I pray for them as well. Lord, they need the grace. They need the patience. They need wisdom, God, that goes beyond their days and beyond their experience and knowledge, Lord. They need uh, patience, Lord. And there's times of long-suffering, Father. And we don't understand, God, the reasons that our child goes through something. And whether it may be a situation, God, that's external to the house, or maybe it's a health thing, whatever it might be, God. We, we don't understand sometimes the things that our, our child uh, goes through. But we believe, Father, that the grace that you provide for us, Lord, is enough. And we're praying, God, that you would cover this home and cover this baby. Oh, God, saturate her in your grace. We ask it, Father, and use us, Lord to be your physical representation of grace. Lord, use us to bless this family and hold this family up. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Let me give you a hug here. Thank you. I love you, sweetheart. Love you, buddy. Yeah, love Yeah. Thank y'all. You may be seated. There you go. Y'all did good. We got a video for you. Go ahead and roll, guys. For the freedom you fought for, and the flag you stood for. For the country we cherish, and the people we love. For the bravery you showed, and the fortitude you held. For the days of dedication, and the nights of devotion. For the miles you walked, and the skills you learned. For the months of training, and the years of service for the memories you carry of the battles you saw, for the legacy of your courage and the honor you deserve. When our nation needed you most, you answered the call. A deep and unshakable sense of allegiance and responsibility. You were bold, you did not hesitate, and you did not walk away. You were gone for holidays and anniversaries and birthdays, because while we were living in peace and freedom, you were fighting for it. 
Thank you is not enough. We can't repay you, but we will promise to remember. You are the reason we can sing the land of the free and the home of the brave. You are the heroes among us. You are not forgotten. You are the veterans. We remember your courage. We honor your sacrifice. We thank you today. What would we do without our veterans? If you do me a favor, if you, if you are currently serving or have served, will you remain standing? If you currently serve or have served, remain standing. Can we just give them a round of applause one more time? Thank you so much for your service and your sacrifice. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I think sometimes we forget who the true heroes are in America. And uh, I would tell you this morning, I've not fought wars, but I feel like I've fought wars today. And so uh, I was working around the house, and I've pulled a muscle in my back. And so if you see me limping or acting agedly, then just know that uh, I'm trying to sympathize with my veterans today who have served and sacrificed. So thankful for you guys. Uh, man, we, we can't adequately show how much we appreciate you. In, in fact, as I was just uh, looking at Veterans Day and I was reading through Hebrews 11, I realized, wow, this is an incredible timing because we're getting to look at the heroes of our faith in Scripture while celebrating the heroes of our nation at the same time. And so I think that is incredible. Incredibly cool to do so. I don't know if you've ever uh, read the book. I think there's a, a mini series about it as well. But um, uh, Dick Winters, he's a major that was in the 101st Airborne. He wrote uh, War Memoirs, and it was called Beyond uh, the Band of Brothers. And he wrote in his book, he says, One day my grandson said to me, Grandpa, were you a hero in the war? And he said to him, No, I'm not a hero but I served in a company full of them. And that is the type of uh, veteran we, we cherish and we celebrate. It's a selfless love, right? It's, a, it's to make sure that my brother next to me, um, we go out, we reach, and we, we strive to, to complete a, a mission that we don't know if we'll finish or not. But if it costs us everything, then sign us up for it. And that is an incredible, incredible approach to it. Uh, let me just pray over our veterans as well as our time together this morning as well. Father, we thank you. I thank you, Lord, for the cost that went before us. I think about the sacrifice, Lord. I think about the moments of loneliness, the moments, God, of um, a fear, an unknown, uncertainty, Lord. And yet, Father, they put themselves out there and sacrificed themselves, Lord. And they trusted God in a moment 
Lord, when they, they, they had no sure understanding, God, if they could fulfill the mission or, Father, even come back home. And so, Lord, I, I just thank you, Father, for everything that was risked and everything that was sacrificed. God bless them today. But I also pray, God, today that you would remind us, Father, of the, of the true sacrifice. Um, someone, God, who knew the ability to, to complete the mission. And we thank you, Christ, for, for leading the way and showing us an example of how we are to live our life. I pray that, Lord, as we unfold your word, that you will show us, God, these heroes of the faith. Lord, how they inspire us, how they challenge us, and how they lead us to live a life, Father, that speaks of a life that you led to complete the mission. Lord, we pray today, God, give us all the components and all the elements, Lord, to fulfill the mission you've called us to fulfill. And one day, God, perhaps we might even have our own space, Lord, in your hall of heroes, God, that speaks of the glory that you gave to us, Lord, as we um, bow before you. We ask it today in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When I look at true heroes, I think about true heroes or heroes who face adversity and they remain steadfast in the face of it. They endure hardship and pain and suffering. And, and, and even in their current situation, they purpose themselves above all of those things that would challenge them to complete the task. Uh, they, they, they believe in, they act on, they pursue a tomorrow. Some never got to see, but they believe that it was true, that it was possible. And obviously their sacrifice and their success serves as encouragement to us today that what was achieved is achievable again. This is what we see when we look at not only our heroes, our nation's heroes, but also the faith heroes of Hebrews 11. Let me just remind you as we get into this today is that, that this chapter was specifically placed because the writer of Hebrews knew that the church, he, write, he writes all the way through Hebrews, brothers, brethren, brothers, and brethren. So he's not talking to those who are unsaved and those who are lost and those who are far off. He's talking about the church, and the church is going through a hard, difficult time, and he is encouraging them by speaking to their situation. And in fact, he says in Hebrews 10.35, he says, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. And so chapter 11 jumps in right after this encouragement that says, don't give up, don't, don't, don't hang it up just yet. Put back on that shield, put back on that helmet, put back on those shoes of peace. Grab, grab that sword, let's go to battle, don't give up just yet. We can do it. And then he shows us examples of people who did just that. And when I look at the heroes of faith, to be honest with you, it would not be the people that I would probably choose. Because we see people like Abel, who, who was a man who worshipped God, but then we see Samson, who was a man who worshipped God's creation more than he worshipped God. We see Sarah, who was the mother of all of Israel, right? The mother of faith. But then we see Rahab, who was a prostitute. We see, um, we see a drunk in Noah. We see Jacob was a liar. And Enoch didn't start his walk with the Lord until he was 65 years old. If I'm honest with you, that would not be the hall I would curate in terms of heroes of faith. I would look for some people more celebratory than that, like Abraham, and let's stop right there. <laughs> but what we see, and even Abraham had his shortcomings as well. 
But what we see is, thankfully, the Lord does not look at how long it took for you to get into the game. The Lord does not look at your baggage and decide whether or not he's going to make you a hero of faith. The Lord is looking for someone who can simply obey when he calls to them. He's looking for someone who will worship by faith, walk in faith, and work from faith. And if you and I can do that, then we will find ourselves understanding the experience of God's blessing and God's favor in our life. And so I want to talk about two fast things before I get into my sermon today <laughs> uh, in, in terms of faith. The first thing you need to know is that when we're talking about faith, you should never come to the conclusion that think, the Lord doesn't hear you and things are not coming about because you don't have faith. You most certainly have faith. Everyone has been given a measure of faith according to Romans 12.3. As he says, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. And you don't just have faith, but you have faith that you're accountable to. You're just, a, you're just as accountable to your faith as the man was to his one single talent. It may not have been much, but it's still some. And you possess a faith that has a substance of something greater than the faith that you might even have. Because in your faith, your faith is tied to a substance. And that substance should be Christ's hope, God's word, and God's character. And if you have that faith, which you do, if you operate it like you're supposed to, you can have a faith that moves mountains, calms seas, splits, uh, splits the seas, calms the storms, raises dead men, makes lame men walk, makes blind men see, deaf men hear, makes the abused made whole, the possessed go free, and whatever is impossible to you, he makes possible. That is the substance of your faith. To think for a second that you have the same faith, the same substance that Moses had when he raised his staff to split the sea is something that I, I cannot connect. But the word says I have that. But I need to make sure I walk in that. I need to, I need to make sure that I, I live in that. And so we not, uh, not only do we have faith, we must have the right kind of faith. Everyone has faith, but do we have the right kind of faith? I'm going to say something to you that may be highly offensive. I love you, and I want you to know the truth. I want you to know that regardless of your upbringing, regardless of the culture, the tooth fairy is not real. I know. It's a, it's a shock. Neither is the Easter bunny. I feel, I feel bad saying this right now. I, it's not real. And we would talk about Santa, but I don't know if you're there yet, just yet. We might have faith in them, but they are not a faith of substance. And I don't know how the money showed up. And I don't know how the eggs got hidden. And I don't know how the toys got planted under the tree. Because if we're being honest about it, that faith that we had for those things to happen wasn't tied to anything real. But still, somehow, they showed up. And, and I say that in, a, in a, a humorous way. I know you guys were expecting something more offensive than that. But I look around, and there are young kids in here. And so I, I do apologize if I spoiled your childhood. But... 
I want you to understand is that even though it, that may seem juvenile, we as adults do that. We still tie our faith to things that have no substance. We still hope for. We still wish for. We're still expecting in ways, and we, we don't have a faith to tie to something that's real. That's why it's so important for you and I to put our faith in Christ, who is absolute reality. Even before something could be measured or something could be tested, he was real. He was real yesterday. He'll be real today. He'll be real tomorrow. And that is a real substance that we can tie our faith to. We need that substantive faith, not a nominal faith, which is an empty facade faith. We need a faith with substance, and a faith with substance is defined here in Hebrews 11.6, because we can't have any type of faith when we come to God. When we come to God, we cannot have any type of faith. You cannot have any type of faith when you come to God. You must have the faith that pleases Him. What is the faith that pleases Him? Hebrews 11, 6 says this, And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So look, look at three parts. I could probably do four, but let's look at three parts of this scripture because it's going to outline um, uh, really our, 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 our sermon today. First off is that it's impossible to please him means God expects a proper approach. You can't just come to God in any old way. You can't just come to God and worship any old way. You can't just come to God in any old faith. God has a, he, in fact, he has went through great, great length and great detail through his word to tell you how you are to come. We can't just show up any old way. We can't just pass through our sins any old way. But there is a proper approach. The second thing is, is that God expects us to, to draw near to him. He expects us to be near to him. And the third thing is, is that we must believe that he exists and rewards those who seek him. God expects a belief whose works anticipate, activate, and appropriate his rewards. And that is the frame of the faith that we need to talk about today. Because here's the thing. The reality is simply this, is that you have a need and he has a solution. But if we don't come to him in the faith that he has defined, then all, of your, all your faith is is nominal faith. You might as well ask Santa Claus to do it for you. Because Santa Claus don't care how you come. But Jesus cares how you come. The Father cares how you come. And, and, and please, I, I, don't, I don't want to, in doing this, create some kind of a legal system, some works-based system that I have to do these things in order for God to receive me. I, it's really the heart behind the actions. But it is the actions that validate the heart. And so we want to make sure that we don't jump into this and hit our checklist and expect our check to come in the mail. It doesn't work that way. And if it does, please let me know how that works. To summarize it, then, then simply faith is that pleases God is a faith that seeks him through one's worship, one's walk, and one's work. So let's talk about these heroes today. Abel. Abel was a hero that was known for his worship of faith. Hebrews 11, 4 says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him as, by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. 
So what we see in Abel's example was the essence of really what true worship is. Now, worship in our culture has been redefined because worship in our culture belongs in a house of worship. And a house of worship happens between 10 and 1030. And so when we say worship, we think about 10 to 1030. But that's not exactly what the word talks about when it talks about worship. Let me give you a biblical understanding of what worship is. Worship is how you choose to honor God through the choices you make with your life. That is worship. That is not if you sing off key or on key. It makes no difference. If you know the words or you sing watermelon, it makes no difference at all. It may, worship is how you honor God with the choices that have been given you in your life. Every moment, every decision is an instance and an opportunity of worship. And you'll have to make that decision as to whether or not you're going to honor God in that decision or not. So what are we choosing and how are we choosing? In fact, Romans 12.1 kind of speaks to this even further. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So here we see the spiritual worship is when we present our bodies as a living sacrifice, right? That's not 10 to 10.30. That's not 15 minutes in the morning. That's not, there's more than that. It is a lifestyle. In fact, I would say this. If your lifestyle is not worship, then you're not worshiping. If you don't do it as a lifestyle, then you're just following other people who do it at certain times during the day. A lifestyle of worship is just that. It's worship that can be seen all through your lifestyle, not just when it's convenient and not just when you're desperate, but it's through the highs and through the lows of our life. We are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Let me clarify that for you. We are to present our time, our talents, and what's the last one? Our treasures. I, I've said it so much, I just figured you guys probably knew, but you don't know yet. Time, talent, treasure. What does God want from you? Time, talent, treasure. That's, that's preacher talk all day long, meaning you better give all that you have for as long as you got it. Time, talent, and treasure. Thank you, Willem. We're on, we on the same bus, buddy. Time, talent, treasure. Abel's offering demonstrated how he approached God with a faith that truly worshipped him. How so? Abel understood that faith pleasing to God involves worship that honors him. Look at Genesis chapter 4, verse 2 through 4. It says, and again, she bore his, uh, she bore his brother Abel, and now Abel was a keeper of sheep and, a Cain, and Cain a worker of the ground. And in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions, and the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. So notice here, Cain's was rejected, but Abel's was accepted. Why? Why? We, we see here why, because it's very descriptive. We see that, that Cain simply brought something from the ground, but Abel brought the firstborn and the fat portions. There's already a difference between the two. What I would, I would suggest to you is that there's three things that we see that set their sacrifice or their worship apart, and that is the firstborn, the fat, and the fear, right? There's your three Fs. The firstborn. First off, the first is always a sign of honor. Guys, if you don't know that when we allow the woman to go forward in front of us through the door, that's a sign of honor. 
And some of y'all say, well, women don't like that no more. Well, I tell you what, you take that same woman to a cruise ship, and when they, when they sink, and you say, you say, all the men first on the lifeboats and see what they say. <laughs> I've never heard that. It's always women and children first. Can you imagine sinking on the Titanic and all the men jump on the boats and leave right away? You would say to yourself, how dishonorable of a man, right? Because, man, we were built to die. That's our, that's our role in life, to sacrifice. And so what we have to understand is that for the first is an honor position. When we give the first, we are always in a place of honoring. When guests come over your house, I don't know if you do, but this is a good practice to start if you have not, is to allow them to eat first. Allow them to go first. It's a sign of honor. And when we give to God, we give him the first things, the first fruits. The first says, before I have to feed anybody else or do anything else with what you've given me, I'm going to make sure that you get what's yours and you get the first. And so not only is the first important in terms of sign of honor, but also first provides the best. Because it says that he also provided the fat. And the fat of an animal is really the choice parts. It's the good state. If all, all my... Uh, my barbecue smokers, I don't want to just say smokers because everybody be on the same boat. But my barbecue smokers, you know that we want to smoke a piece of meat that's what? Fat. Fatty, right? You, we want a good fat piece of meat because that's where the good meat it tastes the best. And so it's no different now as it was almost 6,000 years ago back in Abel's time. It's simply saying this, is that when we give... God, the choice parts, the fat parts, we're, ha- we're letting him have the best stuff. The best stuff that he has blessed us with, we return back to him. But the fat also represents, represented something else. It represented prosperity and abundance. And so when, we, when Abel gives back the fat, what he's saying is, Lord, the prosperity and the abundance that I have really belongs to you. I only have it because you gave it. And so as a sign of where it came from, I give it back to you. And the last one was the fear. He honored God through the fear. Now, what, what, what fear is that? Well, you have to understand that um, killing animals wasn't really a common practice. It was probably something new because it, was, uh, it wasn't a cultural tradition. We've only got a few people on the face of the earth at this time. And so what we see is simply this, is that that Adam and, and Eve, they understood the value of a life because they were, they, they, were, they were created in a place where there was no death at all. But because they sinned, something had to die. They tried the fig leaves, and the fig leaves didn't work. Jesus said that wasn't enough. Don't you know, in Hebrews, it says that for, um, uh, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And so God was trying to communicate that sin cost us something. Sin cost a life. And so that lesson was taught down to Abel. And Abel knew, I cannot give God something that doesn't honor him in some way. That's what David said. I'll not give God anything which costs me nothing. And so he approaches God in fear, understanding that if I give him, if I operate in the way, if I would do the things he asked me to do, if I approach him, And the way that he asked me to approach him, I will worship him in the honor that he deserves, in the best that I have, and in the reverence that he deserves as well. 
And so when we worship God, we should worship God with our best, with our first, and with our reverence for who he is. So what life lesson does Abel example uh, teach us this morning? Here's what he says. A true faith that pleases God is shown when we honor him first in our decisions and give him the best of our time, talent, and treasures. Listen to me this morning. God is not honored when we give him leftovers. He's just not honored when we give him leftovers. When we give him leftovers in our time, our talent, and our treasures, this does not influence him. God does not want the leftovers of our time. I love you. Stay with me. When we blow into church late and we leave early, but we show up at the game early and we leave late, God doesn't appreciate the leftovers. We're more faithful to be diligent on the clock at our work, but not at church. Those are leftovers. When we only give them a few minutes before we rush out the door in the morning, read a few passages, and then boat, we're heading to work, he's not impressed with our leftovers. When we only pray to bless our food or go to sleep really fast, he's not impressed with our leftovers. Our God is a God who deserves first. 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 God does not want the leftovers of our talents either. He doesn't need you to serve in your gift, but he expects you to serve in the capacity you expect him to meet your needs. Can I say that again? He doesn't need you to serve in your gift. He doesn't need you. He wants you to. Because there's a blessing when you operate in the will and the purposes of God. But he doesn't necessarily need your gift, but he expects you to serve in the capacity that you expect him to meet your needs. He does not want your leftover talents. Neither does he want your leftover treasures. Malachi 169 says, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If, I, if then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, then where is my fear? says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? Which we all have said that in earnest. But by offering polluted food upon my altar, he says. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? What's he saying? You're not giving me my best. You're not honoring me. And then he he rib punches us right here. Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor? Man. And now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us. With such a gift from your hand, will he show you favor to any of you? Says the Lord of hosts. When I read that, it, I thought, wow, that's, that's pretty strong language there. But then really when I, I kind of Went over it in my head. He says, Scott, how in the world do you expect my best when you don't pay your tithes like you pay your taxes? Because you care more about your government than you do your God. You give your government first. You give your government the best. And you just hope I'll turn my blind eye and rest on my grace and my mercy and push past and just see your heart. I know your heart. And you honor man above me. And then you ask me for my favor. A faith that pleases God honors him in our choices using our time, our talents, and our treasure. And then Enoch comes along in Hebrews eleven five and says that he was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. 
You should know it's impossible for us to, to worship God without not spending time with him and walking with him. Like I said earlier, it's a lifestyle. It's something we do on a consistent, constant basis. Yet, many of us have been attempted uh, attempt to, to do so. We're trying to walk with God without actually walking with God. We like to hop with God, right? We like to we like to hop in for a moment, sync up, make sure we're good to go, and then we hop out and we do our own thing, and then we skip again later on down the road. But that's not what he's asking us to do. He's asking us to walk with him. And, and, and what I'm saying is it's not just so much you, but I'm speaking to myself this morning. There have been so many times that busyness has claimed my time. As a result, I have found myself working for faith, and not walking in faith. Here is the lesson that Enoch's life convicts me with. It says, Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. That last part got me. Uh, Enoch walked with God. God did not walk with Enoch. Enoch walked with God. And I will tell you that in my business and in my lack of planning and in my inability to let someone else perform the task and in my attempt to, to prove to you that I'm a competent and capable, capable pastor, I have asked God to walk with me and not me walk with God. Because along the way, I get stuck in my flesh and I want to do myself. I know you guys don't have that problem. I need some mentors today. But you see, those things that pull us away, however naive we are, I don't ever intend to do those things. Really, if I'm being honest, my intent is to, be, is to do the right thing. But my, my intent doesn't make a difference when it comes down to what should be. And for you and I, when we're walking with the Lord, it makes no difference on how well we intend to do something. I can intend to pray and intend to worship and intend to fast and intend to sacrifice and intend to give and intend to serve. But that doesn't matter when it comes down to it. Because intentions are not works. And your faith is dead without those works. And so for you and I, we need to pull close to God. We need to draw near to God. When we draw near to him, then we are in the presence of his wisdom and his guidance and his, his hand on our life. But when we operate in our flesh, we shun those things. We expect to jump back in sync with God again, hoping that we'll catch back up and all the problems we created, he'll be a good God and he'll walk with me. He'll take care of the things I need him to take care of. But if I would just follow his footsteps, he would take care of those things along the way. The New Testament scripture concerning walking with God is found in Galatians 5.16. But I say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. To walk by the Spirit is to walk by the Spirit's leading, not jumping every few steps to catch up like we often do. And so to walk with God is to bring him and his viewpoint to bear on the steps you take in your life. It's to bring his rule, his viewpoint, and to oversee your steps. It means God becomes the primary part of your decision-making. Is God primary in your decision-making? Generally, how most of us operate is we make decisions, we realize those weren't the best decisions, and then we call on God's favor. Amen? Isn't that how it works? We, we generally, 
Can I tell you that even in your request, God wants your first. God doesn't want your leftovers of your prayers. God wants your first in your prayers. It ought to be be the first thing you go for. He ought to be the first thing you go for. As we walk with him, he's the driver of our thought process. As we walk with him, he doesn't get scheduled into our calendar. He influences the entirety of the calendar. When we walk with him, God is the father who wants a relationship with us, not just visitation rights on the weekends. He wants full custody. He wants to walk with you. See, we forget that because we just look at God as some high king, some ruler. But he is your father. He is your father. He, he, he loves you. And, and he does not want to play an ATM role with you. He doesn't want to play the pinch hitter position with you. He wants to walk with you all along the journey. Can I tell you something that you may not know, but maybe you do? is that God cares more about the journey than he ever does the destination. So many times in life, we're asking God, help me here, help me get here, help me achieve, help me do help me, I need this. I, and we're always asking for our prayers are almost 99% consumed with the destination of what we're trying to get to. But the Lord's like, I'm not okay with answering that because I, I enjoy the journey more than I do the destination with you. Because when you're crippled in the journey, you draw near to me. When you're crippled in the journey, you know how to reverence me. When you're crippled and you're desperate in the journey, you give me my first, and I see your best. And that's the kind of child that I want. And that's the kind of father I want to be. And so a faith that pleases God involves walking with him rather than expecting God to walk with us. As the worship team comes, the last thing is simply this, is that Noah prescribes to us a works of faith. Hebrews eleven seven says, By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. He constructed an ark. There's actions, right? There's obedience right there. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. You need to know that, that Noah has no reason to believe God whatsoever at all. He's never seen rain. He may understand the concept of rain, but empirically there are no senses that can validate it's going to rain. He is simply taking God at his word. And he's not just taking God at his word. He's taking God at his word in the face of the culture's word. The the culture is saying, you're crazy. Why are you doing that? How long did he build that ark? A hundred and what? Twenty years 120 years, he stood in the face of culture. And that culture wasn't our culture. That culture was far beyond debased. In fact, it was so bad that the Lord didn't have to just deal with the corruption of man. He dealt with the corruption of all flesh. It was so bad that it tainted the flesh. He had to kill the animals too. So it was a different culture than ours was. But what I want you to know is that in the face of that debased culture, that persecutive culture, that culture that told him, you're crazy. His lifestyle was offensive to them. Still yet, he trusted God's word. That's the faith that you and I need. You know what Noah didn't do? Noah did not ask his friends. He did not post on social media. He did not look for the group think. There's this 
concept about groupthink right now, and people nowadays can't make a decision unless they've, unless they've just asked everybody that they know, <laughs> is this the right thing or not? Thank God Noah didn't get out there and say, what should I do? Not only do we have a, a groupthink concept in our culture where we're looking for the group, the masses, to tell us what we should do, now we have cancel culture, which is the group telling us what not to do and what to reject. I'll be honest with you this morning. I thought about this. Do you know what Noah would have done if he had asked little birdie what he should have done? Can you imagine how they would have tried to cancel the art because his sermon was offensive to their lifestyle? I'm telling you guys, yet in all of this, what we find is this, is that Noah did all that God commanded him is what Scripture says. For you and I to have faith that pleases God, we have to have obedience that ignites the reality of faith. For you and I to have a faith that pleases God, we have to have obedience that ignites the reality of our faith. I once read this, faith is acting like it's so, even when it's not so, in order that it might be so, simply because God said so. Faith is acting like it's so, even when it's not so, in order that it might be so, simply because, simply because God said so. A faith that pleases God is demonstrated by acts of obedience, even when it contradicts the ways, the wills, and the wisdom of man. I want to ask you this morning, is the faith that you need for your situation, is, that, is it the faith that lives in the worship, in the walk, and in the works that God desires? Could it be that the faith you're asking God to answer is not the same faith that he requires? We can have assurance and conviction but if our faith is not that same type of faith, the prescribed faith that God has given us to do, then we fail at truly asking him. Because the faith that exists in a faith that worships him properly, a faith that works properly, and a faith um, that, um, uh, second one was what? Walks properly. Thank you, Randy. Paying attention. Is a faith that is tied to a real substance. That's Christ. But a faith that only blesses us and benefits us is a faith that can be equal to that of the tooth fairy or the Easter bunny. There's no real substance. So this morning, as you stand with me, I want to ask you the question. What is it in your life? I know that it is in my life. What is it in your life that you're asking God to meet? You have a situation. It might be a physical. It might be financial. It might be relational. It might be whatever. It might be an incredible miracle you're asking God to meet. But whatever it is, is the, is, is the thing that you need and the faith that you're asking for, are you lacking faith in these other areas? Do you have that same type of faith in your worship? Do you have the same type of faith in your walk with God? Do you have the same type of faith as you work out what you believe about him? Because if we're lacking over here, we got work to do. 
before we can truly lift up a faith that says, Lord, I lift up a faith to you that I know you'll respond to because you responded to this faith when I was walking in it and you responded to this faith when I was worshiping in it and you responded to this faith when I was what? Working in it. Work, worship, and walk. Work, worship, and walk. Is your faith bound in those things? Does it honor God in those things? And if it does, you'll see God honor a faith for the need that you have this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to ask the prayer team to come down this morning. I'm going to ask you to join me because Pastor Scott's got some, I got some things I got to work on myself. I need God to do some things in my life that I just don't have the ability to do. And I've not been really exercising my faith in my worship, in my walk, and in my works like I need to. So this morning, if you have the same need that I have, you join me at the altar this morning. Coming down and praying is a way we demonstrate our faith by actions for the Lord to respond. If we can pray with you this morning, would you come down?
Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. I don't know what it is, but I can tell you that it's promised. What you need, what you have need of, is endurance. Endure. Endure. Endure, church. Endure. You hear me? Endure. Endure. And don't throw away your confidence. Father in heaven, with so many things, God, vying for our confidence, with so many questions and so many doubts and so many things coming into our field of view, Lord, that cause us to, to doubt ourselves and question our own faith, Lord, I pray that right now, Lord, you would not allow the enemy, God, to lead us to a place that we would throw away our confidence, but, oh, God, in its place, I pray, grant us endurance to run this race, and your word says that we will receive the promise that is granted us. We will receive what is promised. And so, God, today we reach up and we move past the veil, the things that we cannot see, and we grab those things that are in our future, and we bring them to the now, and we, we in faith, believe in Christ and in your promises and in your character that you are far more able to do. And so we pray, God, right now, give us that confidence that we would endure. And then I pray, God, that when we see our promise revealed, Lord, put in our heart, put in our mouth, and put in our life a testimony that speaks of the God who rewards those who diligently seek him. And I ask that you would do it, Father, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, I love you guys. Have a great afternoon. We'll see you Wednesday. God bless. You're dismissed.